Welcome back to the Teen Challenger Southern California podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about a 24-7 prayer and help referral line that Teen Challenger Southern California just launched. No matter what your need is, if you're anxious or worried or stressed, you can call anytime, any day, and a Teen Challenge staff member is there to pray with you. The number is 888-520-0620. Once again, that number is 888-520-0620. We're so glad that you've chosen our podcast today. We know that there's thousands of podcasts that you could be listening to, and you've chosen to listen to ours, and we thank you for that. Up next in this series are the brand new sessions, fresh off the press from our very first Spiritual Emphasis Online. Normally, this is an event that Teen Challenger Southern California hosts yearly at our headquarters in Riverside, where all of our staff and students gather under a tent for three or four days of powerful worship and teaching. But because of what's going on in our world right now, we decided to take the event online and make it a completely virtual event. And what a week it was. We invited the Teen Challenge Centers from around the globe to participate with us. And it was just such a spirit-filled, powerful, life-changing week. We had messages from Don Wilkerson, Jim Cimbala, Nikki Cruz, Gary Wilkerson, and many, many more. Lives were changed forever. You're gonna hear an awesome message from Barry McGuire. Barry has been part of Teen Challenge since the days of David Wilkerson. You might know him from McGuire's Automotive and Revival Outside the Walls. As you listen to these sessions, our prayer is that you would sense God's presence, that you would hear his voice. And most of all, we hope that you're encouraged in the Lord today through these podcasts. Remember to subscribe today to our podcast if you haven't already done it. Be encouraged today. Wow. Well, um, these are amazing days, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> wow, are they amazing days. I mean, unprecedented days. It just, and no matter where you are in the world, you're experiencing the same thing. There's a fear that's gripping the world, which we could say is bad, but boy, a lot of good things are happening in, in the midst of that. So it's amazing days. It's amazing time in your life. You didn't ever think you'd be in Teen Challenge. You never thought you'd be an addict. But here you are in Teen Challenge. And I, I could give you a lot of theology today, but I want to get down. I'm a layman, okay? I'm not a preacher. You got a lot of preachers talking to you. I'm on your side of the fence, okay? I'm the recipient of all the preachers that have ministered to me. And I've just had it for a lifetime. And, and I, so I see things. I, I've seen and done things. And I, I, I have experiences. I want to share those experiences, particularly on a very practical basis. And, and, and I talk to you and have been talking to folks in the program throughout the years. And I know there's this one question you're all asking. What's going to happen after graduation? <laughs> right? What's going to happen? Oh, my God. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? And I, so that's what I'm here to talk about. And quite frankly, at the end of uh, my little uh, talk with you today, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a message that will guarantee you success after graduation. How's that sound? Okay. I, can, I will give you a message, the Word of God, not my message. It's God's message to you that will guarantee you. I can say that without hesitation. Will guarantee you can just relax. God's going to give you success after graduation. Okay. Is that a good way to start? <laughs> I think so. I've got, you know, at my age, I've got, I have some credibility, nothing else. I've done it wrong. I've done it, you know, and I, I kind of sort of got it. I don't have all the answers, but I know what doesn't work and what does work from, from a scriptural standpoint. I want to share that with you. Let me start by, by asking you a question that I just got to ask you. Do you understand how privileged you are? <laughs> I mean, seriously, do, do you understand how privileged you are? I mean, you're in rarefied air. Do you understand that adults don't, adults don't get a year to take off and spend in the Word and, and to spend in the fellowship of believers and to spend, spend with great teachers and be able to understand it and articulate it and tell strangers you already know about it so you get comfortable with it. So it's just part of your conversation. You understand the Word and the Holy Spirit comes in. Whether you're saved when you're a child or you're, or you're saved when you're an adult, very few adults can take a year, almost none can take a year. Oh man, would I love to have a year to just set aside and study God's word, understand his goodness to me and, and what he wants to do in my life. You have had that experience. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Let me give you a little comparison. About 70% of Americans say they're Christian, okay? 
I got to speak now specifically about America because that's where my, my expertise is. 70% of Americans say they're Christian. Most of them don't have a clue what that means, but they're Christian. You know, you ask them, oh, I'm a Christian. They think they're going to heaven because they're a good person. That's quite actually what about 70% of America, America feels. But only 20% go to church on a regular basis. Okay? 50%, there's a 50% spread there. There's half of America says they're Christian and don't go to church, except they, we call them Christians, you know, Christmas and Easter once in a while. But for those that are going to church three or more times a month, so really regularly, it's only about 10, 20% of our population. But it gets worse. Guess what? Only half of those are saved. That's 10% of America. About 10% of our population is saved. She's actually prayed the sinner's prayer. I mean, can you imagine? And you've been spending a year, or you're on your way to spending a full year understanding the goodness of God and, and loving the Scripture come alive. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You're so privileged. 80% of America is, is, is living outside the influence of the church. So how are they going to know? You know what the Scripture says. How are they going to know unless somebody tells them? And how's somebody going to tell unless they're sent? When's the last time you heard a pastor say, in Ephesians 4, 11, it says, my role is to equip you, the saints, for ministry. And it's your job to go in the world. I send you. When's the last time you heard? It's not her. You don't even hear salvation messages anymore. Leave alone sending messages. But that's where we're at. You're, you're being geared for sending. Do you understand what I mean? Less than 1% of Christians share their faith. 80%, 80%, over 80% of America, over 80% of America, 80, over 80% of those who don't believe that are not believers, of those people that are outside the influencers, over 80% of them, guess what? They know the world's out of control. You don't have to be a Christian to understand that. They know the world's out of control. <clears throat> Even if they call themselves atheists, they would like to believe there's a God who can make sense out of the chaos. And guess this, they're looking for somebody to tell them. They're looking. We say, oh, they don't care. We'd offend them. No, they're looking. They're looking around trying to find somebody who can tell about Jesus. They're not going to go in that church. And over 80% of them already have a curse in their life that they trust. That's opportunity. It's unbelievable. You know, it's just, it's just, you look at that, and God has just given us such opportunity. He's just given us opportunity, such opportunity. I got a question for you. Um, <laughs> when does spiritual growth occur? Does spiritual growth occur in good times or bad times? Think about your own life. <laughs> does spiritual growth, to, to burst of spiritual growth happen in persecution or freedom? I, I think we know the answer to that. I mean, you know, when you're in those dark times, where are you, God? I need you. When you're in the good times, human nature is, I got it wired, God. I, I'm fine, you know. It's going, even Christians do that. God's view of good is not the same as our view of good. Our view of good is bigger than this, better. You know, the best husband, the best job, the best car, the best income, all that stuff. But guess what? All that stuff, believe it or not, leads you away from God. It's, it's, it's when you're destitute and you're in the dregs and you're that's when you're calling out for God. So God wants you calling out to him. So guess what he wants for you? So when you're thinking, I didn't get this or that, where are you, God? God is blessing you in ways you're not expecting. I was in Romania one time with my wife and it was still, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was Poland. I was in Romania too, but the experience I'm talking about was in Poland, still communist controlled. And we went to this Christian family's home, and there was eight of them living in a little three-room apartment with a coal stove. And I saw such joy there. They were so happy. And they offered us some food. They didn't have hardly anything. They didn't know where the food was going to come from. Nor they offered us food. And they loved them. They are so happy. And we walked away, Karen and I, convicted. They I want their joy. Who's impoverished? We're impoverished. They have joy. Why? Because they didn't know where the next meal was coming from. They didn't know if they're going to be in jail tomorrow for their faith. They depended on God for everything. And that brought them joy, you know. 
And here we have so much, it's hard to have that same kind of experience. So it, it kind of puts it in, in perspective. And, and of course, what, what Satan means for bad, God uses for good, right? Satan thought he had you. Do you understand? You know this better than anybody. Satan thought he had you. He had you. He had you in his grips. He's never going to let you go. Man, he has just destroyed your life. But look at you now. God turned that around and rescued you and put you in a place, unbelievable place that you could be in Teen Challenge. Let me ask you this question. God didn't want you to do drugs. But if you had not done drugs and ended up in Teen Challenge, do you think there's any way possible that you could know God as well as you know him right now? Hmm? Think about it. I don't think so. I don't think so. What Satan made for bad, God made for good. He turned into good. Look where you are now. So you can thank God, not just for the good stuff. It's almost you thank God more for the bad stuff. I mean, it's really true. So it's a, it's a different way of looking. This is God's way of looking at things. It, it really is. Let me let's talk about America for a moment. Uh, it was hard when we founded America. We, our forefathers, who are all godly men, you go back and read what our forefathers said, that well, this republic will only stand as long as we're a moral and religious people. They all honored God. The Mayflower Compact, we came to perpetuate the gospel. That's what the foundings were of this country, right? And there was hard work, and you worked 18-hour days, and the kids worked before the sun came up. They were working. Everybody's working hard. And we came through the First World War and the Second World War. But during all that hard time, we started going back in the Industrial Revolution and making war goods, and then we turned those into peacemaking things. All of a sudden, prosperity came. And by the 50s, after World War II, we started having prosperity. You know, we had President Dwight D. Eisenhower. You know what he said back in the 50s? I'm afraid we're losing our, our dependence on God. He saw that in the 1950s. We have been in a total meltdown since then. In 1960, 70% of our population went to church every Sunday. Okay, 70%. That was back in the good old days, you know. And, and it wasn't a matter of, do you go to church? We didn't think of that. It's where do you go to church? There's always, oh, where do you go to church? I go to church over here. That was just the normal thing. We left our doors unlocked. It was just, it was, it was just an incredible time. 70% of our population went to church three or more times a month. That number is now 20%. I mentioned that earlier. It's just gone down and down and down. I'll tell you something more serious. That, that departure for the church has been the fringe people. <clears throat> they probably never even asked the Lord to be their Savior. They weren't Christians. They were people that were kind of hangers-on and didn't really have an experience. The hangers-on, not, not the hangers-on, the, the faithful, the people that are volunteering early and giving their money, whatever, the faithful, they only went down 1%. Every 10 years, from 1990 to 2010. 1990 to 2000, only 1% of regular church attenders moved away from the church. In 2000 to 2010, only 1%. But for 2010 to 2014, 4% of the regular, the faithful attenders of church dropped out. And from 2014 to 2018, 18% of the faithful left being faithful. Uh, we can't, the church is in free fall, folks. If that keeps happening, there, there's no Christian witness at all. We are in trouble as a church. We like to talk about the, the great ministries and pulpits, and there is that, and praise God. But if you get back and look at it, the church is in free fall. Why? Why is it in free fall? First off, we're not getting people saved. But secondly, I call it atrophy. You know what atrophy is? You atrophy. Ten years ago, I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. When I got out, my muscles had atrophied. I couldn't stand up, okay? On my business. I'm in the car wax business, okay? I love atrophy. You know why? Because paint finishes decay. <laughs> Metal decays. Chrome wheels decay. Leather decays. Rubber tires decay. I love atrophy. <laughs> I sell lots of products. If there wasn't atrophy, I wouldn't have a business. It also happens spiritually. And if you're not using your faith, you know most Christians today can't even give a clear presentation of why they're saved, the gospel. They've been, they've been saved for 20 years and they can't give a simple explanation of the gospel. It is atrophied. It's like you join the team, and I look at it, it's a team sport. You join the team, you sit on the bench, 
and then you're just a bench warmer. And 99% of all Christians, quite frankly, are bench warmers. Oh, there's, they're there. They're faithful attenders, and they give their money sacrificially, and they'll give time to the church, and the support. they love their past. They might go on missions trips, but they're dead in the water because they're not articulating. They're, just, they're not using their faith. They're giving their money. They're doing good things, but they're not articulating it. And when you don't do that, you get drier and drier and drier, and you worry more and more and more. It's just that's where we are today, except in bad times. Guess what happens in bad times? When 9-11 hit, when the crisis of 2008 hit, whew, people came back, record church attendance again. Man, it was going great. But six months later, after each of those events, church attendance was actually lower than it had been before the, that event. Why? We didn't get them saved. When they came into our churches, we were singing praises to God. We said we could, you could trust God and God's there for you. And just be like Jesus and all these things, but no salvation. And people came and they heard that. Okay, I got that. And they left again. And we went down. We had these great opportunities to bring people in the kingdom. And we didn't do anything with it. And now here we are again at this very moment. Globally, there has never been a time for salvation. There's never been time for a great harvest like there is right now. The whole world is in terror. <laughs> and we have the good news. They're in terror. We're in peace. They're desperate for the peace that we have. You understand? I'm talking globally. I'm going to bring it down more specifically to you in a minute. But that's for all Christians to understand. We have a moment in time. A moment in time. That is opportunity knocking. Opportunity knocking. It's great, but wait a minute. Pew Research tells us that Less than 10% of evangelical churches are giving salvation messages. Oh, what? Less than 10% of, not all churches, it's much lower for all churches. For evangelical churches, less than 10% are talking about salvation, confession of sins. I mean, that's where we are today. This is, this is panic time. Less than 1% of Christians are sharing their faith. I mean, it's literally, we're living, we're living the scripture. The fields are white for harvest. They are. They are white for harvest. But the laborers are few. This is an SOS call to the church. I mean, that's where you come in. Do you hear me? That's where you come in. <laughs> this is where you come in. You're locked and loaded. You're locked and loaded. I mean, you're armed like very few people in the world are armed. I we don't have a lot of hope except for this one thing. Our only hope is uh, for Christians who have experienced redemption and salvation, who actually experienced redemption and salvation. Oh, hey, that's you. <laughs> Our only hope is Christians who have personal testimonies. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> wow. You have our only hill. Our only hope is Christians who understand God's word. That's you. <laughs> That's you. You understand God's word. Our only hope is Christians who know how to share their faith and answer the tough questions. That's you. Do you understand where you are? Our only hope for America and the world is Christians who have the joy of the Lord. Look at you. You have the joy of the Lord. Do you not praise God? You have the joy of the Lord. It's, it's unbelievable. We, our only hope is Christians who know how to lead people to Jesus Christ. Whoa. That is you. God's preparing you. God's calling you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Wow. Our director, Ron Brown, likens us to uh, an aircraft carrier, and the whole flight deck is filled with F-18s ready to take off. That's where you are right now. What a great illustration. Here's where I'm going with this. Soon you'll be graduating into a new world. <sighs> going to be a new world. <laughs> a sober world, for first off. A sober world. You're going to be graduating in a sober world. How do you do that? <laughs> you haven't been in a sober world. That's, that's a new world for you. 
You'd be graduating into new friends. You can't hang out with your old friends. You can pray for them. You can minister to them as God allows you to be with them because you, you're going to be convicted. God's going to use you to reach them. But you're not going to hang out with them. You're going to have fellowship with new friends, right? <laughs> you're going to have new expectations for yourself. You're going to have new expectations. Can I live up to those expectations? Harder is other people's expectations. Other people looking at you, judging you, wondering what you're doing, questioning your motives, thinking that you're not really changed. You're going to have people, you, you'll know it. It happens. It's human nature. Everything changes. There's a tax. And guess what? Thanks to the coronavirus, you're going to be entering into probably the worst job market in our lifetimes. <laughs> How are you going to cope with that? How are you going to cope with that when you can't find a job? When everybody says, we, we're going to hire somebody else. How are you going to cope with it when family members reject you? How are you going to handle it when the, the girl or the guy that you want to reach out to, they, don't want, they, they jilt you? Bad news. Are you going to have that joy then? You know, are you, are you going to have the same joy then you have now? You should, right? <laughs> how, are you going, how are you going to keep your joy? That's why I'm here, all right? That's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. And I'll tell you, it starts with faith. It starts with faith. Anybody that comes and talks to you on this side, you will tell you, you got to have faith. <laughs> we know that. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not. I've been at this for a few years. And I can tell you, having faith is not easy. It's easy when things are going well, when things are not going well, and they don't go well for a long time. <laughs> It's, it's, it's hard to have faith. It's tough. It is really tough. But that's where it is. And, and scriptures tell us very well. Right? For instance, Hebrews 11, you know the scripture. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please. You want to please God. You're pleasing God right now. You want to please God after graduation, right? It has to be wholehearted faith. Okay? Wholehearted faith. It can't be a little bit. It has to be, you have to be all in. Okay? Trust the Lord. This is my lifetime verse. Trust the Lord with your whole heart. Your whole heart. I, I, I tried 60, 70, 80. I tried 99. You know what? 99% doesn't get the job done because there's always that 1% that God won't save your bacon. So there's a little bit of worry. Okay? Trust the Lord with your whole heart. Don't depend on this. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own thoughts, your own wisdom. And don't depend on everybody. You can listen. There's, multi there's wisdom and a multitude of counsels. But in the end, you want to listen to God. And acknowledge Him in all your ways. And guess what? Here's how you do that. I'm now talking where the rubber meets the road, okay? You acknowledge Him in the good stuff and the bad stuff. But every time something good happens, praise God, you're there. But guess what? More, more importantly, when, when the bad stuff happens, say, praise God, you know, you're, you're giving me a witness. You put me in a dark place where my light can shine even brighter. And I know you're up to something, God. I know you're using me to influence people in this dark place. It may be an employer. You once get the job and then he's foul mouth. He hates Christians. He's beating you up. He's misjudging you. Other employers are saying evil things about you. Let your light shine. It doesn't matter what they're saying. You serve the God, the King, our risen Lord, and you're living for him. You're not living for that job. The job is nothing. It, if you can make it where it's so important and and when the bad things go, you're, you, you, it just turns upside down. You're going to live for him, and you want to have wholehearted faith no matter what. No matter what. I'm going to get more specific on that because lack of faith um, is a problem. If, it's, if it lacks wholehearted faith, if you're, not, if you're not all in. James 1, you know the scripture, we're going to read it to you. Just to remind you how important it is. You understand? He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and obey the not, and it shall be given him. You ask God, he'll give you whatever you want. No matter what you want to do, that's good to be. But, but, there's this huge but, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, wholehearted, right? For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. Then, then the kicker. And hear me on this. Let not that man think he receive anything in the Lord. Now, you can't believe you're going to receive. You can't 
faith that, that you just have faith that God's going to give to you when you're worrying. You can't worry and have faith at the same time. You're double-minded, okay? You just can't do it. Do you know most Christians, probably 99% of Christians are worrying? Do you know that people in the church consume as many anti-anxiety drugs as the world? I mean, the, the counseling's going on in the Christian world. People are so worried. We're trying to cope with They're worried. that God's not the author of that worry. There's a way to get above that worry. I'm going to give you some words here to help you so you don't enter into that worry after graduation, okay? You're not going to have to do that. Let me ask this question right quick. <clears throat> Who's your God? Let me, let me ask you again. Who's your God? Simple answer, right? Let me tell you a quick story. Um, <clears throat> I, and I, I've got a lot of stories, how to do it wrong. <clears throat> this is one of them. I, uh, I was in a family business. I am a family business. <clears throat> and family business don't always go well. In my case, I had family members that never even waxed a car. They weren't Christians. They were dysfunctional. Uh, we were having all kinds of problems. We had a meeting one day. I said, you know, the only thing we can agree on is that we don't agree. And I prayed. And I sought God. And I traveled all over the country trying to find somebody that could counsel us or invest in us or be a partner with us or whatever. Two and a half years, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I prayed more in that two and a half years than I'd ever prayed consistently before in my life. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing. I felt God saying to me every day, um, do, do you trust me now? And I said, yeah. And I expected him to solve the problem the next day, but it didn't happen. Two and a half years. I went through two and a half years of that. I'm driving down the street one day, and there's a preacher from the South. I didn't even recognize his name. I was always just a Christian. I still do. Christian, I love Christian radio. You get a lot of food from Christian radio. And he said, who's your God? I thought, well, I got that one figured out. I know who my God is. He's I'm going to ask you again, who's your God? At that point, I was just ready to change the station. And he said, I'll tell you who your God is. Whatever fills your prayers is your God. I knew better. I knew better. I had allowed my business to be my God. And for two and a half years, I'd been praying about my business. I got home and fell on my knees, jumped on my knees. I just cried to God. I said, God, forgive me. I am so sorry. I, I, I don't care about my business. I, I want relationship with you. I, I, I love you, Lord. I just want relationship with you. I want, I want you to flow through me, use me. I want to have communion with you. I want to be so close to you. I hunger to be close to you. I want that, Lord. I want that more than anything else. So the business goes away, fine. I just want that. Do you know within a few days, <laughs> he saw my family problem. It's a lesson I've never forgotten. A lesson I've never forgotten. Here's the point. Um, you're going to have some bumps in the road when you get out of graduation. And you're going to be praying a lot. I can guarantee you, you're going to be praying a lot. But what are you going to be praying about? All right? Oh, God, i got to have a job. You know, I can't find a job. I mean, I've called so many people. I, I've got to, I'm running out of money, you know. You know, oh, you know my, my family's rejecting me. Uh, the girl that I want, she won't have it. You, you get all these things and you pray about them. They're meaningless. <laughs> They're meaningless. When you start praying about other things, I want you to hear your, I want you to hear this. Who's your God? I want you to hear Barry McGuire's voice. Who's your God? Who is your God? You know who he is. You know who he is. When you do that and you recognize it's all, it's all about God. This is, this is theology, but it's real life, folks. I'm telling you. Um, this is where I wish you were with me. I really wish you were with me right now. I, I can kind of hear you. I kind of see in the tent, you know, with all of you there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something here. And wherever you are, if you're by yourself, I want to shout. I want you to shout answers to me. Will you do that for me? <laughs> so first question, who's your God? <laughs> come on, come on. You got to shout it out. Who's your God? Jesus, right? <laughs> can you say it again? Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Who do you put first in your life? Jesus, right? Who, who does your hope come from? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Who do you put first in your life? Jesus, yes. <laughs> who do you want to tell everyone your life about? Tell me, tell me again. 
Jesus, yes, that's what you want to do. Wow. Have you heard what you just said? Have you heard what you just said? That's everything. You're all in. Did you mean it? Did you really mean it? <laughs> I've said all that to say this. Do you want to be able to shout Jesus just as strong as you just shouted Jesus after graduation, after five years, <laughs> till the end of your life? You want to do that? You can. It's easy. <laughs> you just follow the instructions. This is, this is practical. I'm going to put it right where the, the rubber meets the road, okay? Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You understand this. All of life is about redemption. That's all it's about. It doesn't matter the job, the wife, the family, I mean, all that stuff. But he says, you come to me. Above all that, you come to me. Life is about redemption. We have 100 years to figure out who God is and then to serve him and then to get as many people into heaven as we possibly can. That's what life's about. Now, all the stuff, you, you, you honor him and all the rest will come unto you. I had a little bitty business. We were doing less than a million dollars. We were selling body shops, okay, with gallons of stuff. Selling a gallon at a time. Buffing car. That's my business. Now we're the biggest brand there is. You know, I'm not, I love cars. I'm a car guy. I go to car shows. I have a phenomenal life. You know why I have that? Because it's not my God. God takes it away from me right now. It doesn't matter. Because a guy walked in my office in 1976 and I started sharing with him how I was sharing my faith. He says, God's given you a wonderful ministry here, hadn't he? And I never had realized that they're the same. They're not, they're not two different. They're one. This is a wonderful. My company is my ministry. That's what he was really saying to me. I said, why do you say that? He said, because a pastor can't reach the people you're reaching. But as a businessman, you can. It's obvious that your business is your pulpit. Wow. First off, he was obedient. He felt the nudge to come see me. There's, there's a whole sermon on that. What if he hadn't come seen me and I'd gone into ministry? I would have been a terrible pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm a businessman. I'm a marketer. But my, my joy has come from him and my focus has been on him and everywhere I go. And when I get turned down in a sale, I used to get turned down in a lot of sales. You know, I just say, you know what? <laughs> I understand. And someday I hope to sell you. And you have a great company here. You're doing a great job. And I'm, I'm, I thank you for your time. And, and I just say, have, have a great day. And, and God bless you. And I hope to someday earn your approval and walk out. What? what would, would somebody tells you, I'm not going to hire you, rather go out and say, oh, there it is again. God, where are you? God, where are you? No, he's right there. Every single disappointment, not disappointment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything that happens is for his glory. He's bringing glory. And when you honor him, when you acknowledge him, even in the bad stuff, you follow me on this. This is really important. When that bad stuff happens, and it will give him glory then, because you recognize that that gives you an opportunity. Even if you don't see it on their face at the moment, they can't get by the fact that that was a Christian who just loved on me in spite of the fact that I just gave them bad news. And you just moved them closer to Jesus. Wow. Wow. And God watches that. Okay, God watches that. You have one task, one task, one commission, one mandate, okay, for your life. That's it. It is that. It is the great commission. Tell people about Jesus. Move everyone. This thing about find somebody that you share your faith with. Well, what about all the other people that are going to hell that I meet today? Am I just supposed to let them go to hell? No. And if you just want to be somebody today, you won't do it with anybody. Everybody, every Christian, every family member, every stranger on the street, the cashier at the store, the person next to you in the waiting room, whoever it is. And yes, the guy that says, I don't have that job for you. I'm going to give it to somebody else. I don't care. Here it is. Move everybody. And you can do it just by saying something as simple as saying, have a good day and, and, and God bless you. Look in the eye. Walk away. If nothing else, they know that was a good person and they're a Christian. You know, if the church just started doing that, they don't see us as loving they don't see us as loving. If you Google why are Christians so, the descriptions of Christians were mean, narrow-minded, stupid, damning. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciple by your love. The world's hungry for love. And when you love on people, you're moving people closer to Jesus. It's so easy. And when you love on people, they open up. You'll be surprised within five minutes. They're sharing their deepest hurts they wouldn't even share with their best friend. 
And then the Holy Spirit just comes in. You don't need any preparation. The Holy Spirit just comes in, rushing like a blood. It's just amazing. I'll give you one quick story. I was in a hotel, and I needed to get to a restaurant real fast. So I pulled up my Uber app, and it wasn't working. So I don't care. we got to go outside so I can get my Uber app where we got to get out of here. So I get down there. I, quite frankly, I was going to a restaurant, and my friend would get the tab if he got there first. So I wanted to beat him. Okay, that's what it was about. So I walked out, and there was a ta- there were, it still wouldn't work. And Karen said, well, there's a taxi. You better get the taxi. So I said, okay. I said, sir, I'll take that taxi. He says, um, no, that taxi's taken. Uh, say what? Uh, that taxi's taken. The lady behind you, that's her taxi. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, how long would it take you to get me another taxi? Well, it's five o'clock and we're kind of busy right now and it might take five, ten minutes. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is not good. The lady behind me says, sir? Said, uh, yes. She says, you can have my taxi. What? She says, my husband's upstairs. I don't know what he's doing. He's going to be for a while. We'll take the next taxi. Just go ahead and take that taxi. I said, well, thank you. It's really nice. I get in the taxi. The taxi driver's out of control. From the first sentence, it's profanity. He's yelling profanity. He is out of control. It's, it's unbelievable. We finally start asking questions and find out his wife had just died. Long, prolonged, painful death from cancer. His kids were rebelling against him, against the world. He was out of control. He's yelling. And I see all this. So I just, God, give me a verse. And I just said, you know, God, what God says, he says, come unto me, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And he yells with the same intensity, boy, do I need rest. <laughs> At that point, I knew I had him. I just had him. So then I started sharing scriptures with him as we got to the restaurant. Before we got to the restaurant, he says, boy, I need God. I need to get into a church. I said, yeah, you do. You really do. You know. So we got out. I said, if you give me your cell number, I'll text you the name of a church that's close by. He said, would you do that? I said, absolutely. I said, can we pray with you? He said, would you? And there we are in front of the restaurant, people coming in and out of the restaurant, people pulling up in front, and Karen and the taxi driver and me are in a huddle, and we're all in tears praying. Wow. Wow. Do you realize what God had to go through to make that happen? He had to stop my Uber app from working, right? He had to keep the guy upstairs from him. He had to get that taxi driver right. Do you realize that God doesn't just orchestrate your steps? He orchestrates other steps, the steps of those around you. And it just lights up your life. I mean, it's just amazing. I'm convinced that God wants us to share our faith secondarily to win the lost <laughs> and primarily to win you. I look at that every time I walk by and say, who profited by that the most? And can anybody take my faith away from me? No way. I mean, no way. Let me tell you how far back it goes. Just some quick scriptures. I'm going to finish up here. In Jeremiah... You know the thing about placing you in your womb? Do you realize what that said? Go back and read it again, Jeremiah 3, 3. Before I placed you in your mother's womb, I set you apart to be my witness. I mean, you can't get much further back than that, can you? Then I love this one. I love this one. What I just said about he, he primarily wants us to share faith. He mandates it. Why? The Great Commission wasn't go into the world and, and pray. <laughs> He didn't say, go in the world and read your Bible. He said, go in the world and preach the gospel. Share your faith. Why? Because when you're doing that, it's alive, it's fresh, and you're digging, and you're in, in the Word. So you're meeting with somebody, and they ask you a question, and you don't know how to answer the question. You say, well, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. What do I know? But I know that's in the Bible. Would you let me pray for you the next few days? And I'll read the Bible. I'll have an answer for you. Can you get back together on Thursday? They will always, always, always say yes. They're hungry. They're desperate. And that's, guess what? I don't care how tired you are when you get home. I don't care if you get home at 1 o'clock in the morning. Man, you're, you're just, you're digging, you know. And quite frankly, if you Google now, you can Google any thought. And I'll give you all the scriptures. Google's an amazing thing for bad stuff and good stuff. All the scriptures are there, different translations, commentaries. So in the midst of your day, instead of playing games or whatever, you can, you can ask it questions that will give you the scriptures. It's all that happens, and you finally find that scripture. There's the scripture Bob needs. It is so exciting. You, you prayed, you prayed. God led you to the right scripture. Holy Spirit gave you the right scripture. He leads to the right scripture. You can't wait to get back. You get together with Bob, and you say, look, what, you can't believe this. Look what God says in his word. You say that he bursts into tears. You burst into tears. You have this wonderful, folks, there's nothing 
There's nothing in all of human life and all of human experience to know that you were just used by God to move somebody closer to him. Oh, my goodness. And it happens continually. I can sit here for days and tell you stories I've had over the years. It's just nobody could take that away from me. So Isaiah 43, 10 says, Thus saith the Lord, I appoint you as my witness so that you will believe. Now, if I was God, I'd say, wait a minute. I appoint you as my witness so they'll believe. No, he says, I point you as my witness so that you, wow. <laughs> because when you're doing, you're sharing, stuff comes out of your mouth you didn't even realize you had. And God confirms it. And you're just alive with the word and praising God. And, and that's how you get to where you have wholehearted faith. This is the key. You get where I'm getting now? I'm going to bring down to close. Mm, mm, boy. I, I just, I just kind of got off. I'll give you a couple more scriptures. You have joy. I didn't have any joy. That's what got me to share in my faith. I was giving. I was doing all the stuff. I had no joy. Karen had no joy. And I met a guy named Herb Ellingwood, the most joyful Christian I'd ever met up to that time. And he just told me one story after another how he's sharing his faith in, in meeting rooms and in the grocery store. Wherever he went, he was sharing his faith. He had so much, had so much joy. He's having so much fun. I didn't realize sharing your faith was fun. I thought it was an obligation that I had to do and I had to follow script and all this stuff. And it was so hard. And nobody told me that it's the most fun thing in life to do. And you've had those experiences when you've gone out knocking doors, you talk to people at shopping centers or whatever. You see it. I mean, you've had, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. What I'm saying is it doesn't end when you're in Teen Challenge. <laughs> this is a life pattern. You've already experienced it. You're locked and loaded. You're ready to go. Can you believe what Teen Challenge, how it's Teen Challenge has set you up to be an overcomer in this world that's so desperately in need of it? And in John 15, 11, it says, when you bear fruit, this is that last parable he gave, the fig tree, the, the dry branches and, and the ones that are bearing fruit. He says, when you bear fruit, my joy remain with you and your joy remain full. It doesn't matter if it's raining, thunderstorm. It doesn't, when you're bearing fruit, I got to tell you, it's almost better. When bad things happen to me, Karen, I now say, okay, God, what do you have to do now? You know, I was dying in a hospital. The doctors gave up on it. I said, okay, God, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die leading as many people to you as I possibly can. When I got out, I counted 23 different doctors and nurses. I lost my daughter. A lot of you know my daughter. A Teen Challenge product does the Teen Challenge, a Benedict Castle Concord car show, raising $400,000. She's led so many people to the Lord. People get slain in the spirit when she spoke. We lost her last year. I, I, I never cried so much in my life. I'm not saying that I didn't miss her terribly. I, she's here right now. A part of me is in heaven right now because Nicole's up in heaven. But I didn't sorrow as those that have no faith. I'm going to be with, I'm going to be with her again. And I'm part of her legacy now, you know. So, I mean, when, you, when we had the celebration service of life at the uh, Teen Challenge Castle, people came to the Lord. Thousands of people watched the, the video of the celebration, Nicole McGuire's celebration of life. And people, I can't even begin to tell you, people came to the Lord watching the video of her funeral service. <laughs> it's a different life. We serve a different life, okay? Here's the bottom line. You're in full-time ministry. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up right now. You're in full-time ministry. You're Christ's ambassador, okay? It, it's not just going into TCMI, please. I hear all the time, if you're really spiritual, you're going to go to TCMI. I love TCMI. Thank God for TCMI. But there are people who gone to TCMI and burned, crashed and burned afterwards. That wasn't where God won them. They got, you, you, there's other voices. People tell you that's where you go. You're going to full-time ministry no matter what. It's all spiritual. It doesn't matter where you're going. For us as Christians, there's nothing secular. It's all spiritual. Do you hear me on this? Everything is spiritual. Every moment, people are watching you. Everything you do and say, every moment of the day is moving people closer or further away from God. When I get to heaven, it's not going to matter how many bottles of car wax I sold. <laughs> the only thing that matter 100 years from now, for all of us, the only thing that matter 100 years from now is how many people are in heaven because of your influence. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only currency in heaven. Anything else I've done that's not having anything to do with redemption is worthless. We'll never think about it again, right? So when you focus on that, here's the payoff, okay? I close with this last great scripture. And it's one you all know. You probably know as much as any scripture in the Bible, but almost nobody appreciates the message. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know 
that all things work together for good in your life. Wouldn't it be wonderful? No. Problem is, most people look at that and say, but they're not working good in my life. <laughs> all kinds of bad stuff. So I don't know whether to trust you or not. That's reading just part of the scripture, folks. Well, he, he says, I'll give you eternal life. He didn't just say that to everybody. It, it's a contract. Oh, I'll give you eternal life. Oh, but uh, you need to recognize you're a sinner. And you need to confess your sins and ask forgiveness for your sins. And when you do that, I'll come in like a flood. I'll make you white as snow. And I give you the gift of eternal life. Wow. Second only that promises is promise. While you're still on this earth, I'll make everything in your life work together for good. If you do what? If you do two things. If God is going to do that, if he's really going to do that, if you just do two, two, two things, isn't it kind of important to know what those two things are? You know, I've never heard this sermon preached one time ever. I found it myself. I practiced it, and I found it. It just works. It makes faith so easy. It makes faith effortless. It's not, you know, if you could actually get to the point where you trust God that much, you'd probably be proud of your trust. You know what I get? Because I trust him so much, he did that for me. No, it's a gift. But here's how we get there. We just follow his word. He says, remember, he asked, what's, they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, you're as concerned for their salvation as you are your own. And so then everything you do in your life, that's why you complete the rest of the law, not out of legalism, but because you just want to do everything you can to bring them closer to Jesus. This is the same thing with this great promise. I will make everything in your life work together for good. Everything in your life, the turndowns, the judgment calls, the whatever happens to you after graduation, I will make it all turn into good. If you love me, you got to really love God. If you love God, you're going to tell people about him. That's a, if you, if you, this is really the litmus test. Are you telling people about Jesus? Yeah, and you are. It's because you love God. If, if you love the hamburger you had last night, you're going to tell somebody about it today. If you love God, you're going to tell people about him, okay? So here it is. If you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself. But it says it in a little different way. Because it's all caught up in what's God's purpose for my life. I don't know what God's purpose for. I get ready to come out of Teen Challenge and what's God's purpose? What is God's? He didn't have a purpose for you and a different one for me and a different one for himself. We'd be at cross purposes. There's one purpose. It's God's purpose. He has a plan for you, a very unique plan for you to fulfill his purpose. When you live for his purpose, there's no disagreement on that. There's one thing all theologians agree with. His purpose is to seek and save the lost. Okay. When you live every moment of every day to seek and save the lost, to move everybody every day closer to Jesus, you live in the favor of God. You live knowing that he will make everything in your life work together for good. I was at the point where I had a joint venture partner going to throw me out of my business, my 100-year-old family business the next morning. I knew that. My testimony was gone. My income was gone. My business was gone. My reputation, everything. I'm 65 years old. It's too late. I had learned this so much earlier. So you know what I said? And it didn't get much worse. My life is ruined at 65 years of age. My life was ruined. I prayed a simple prayer. I said, God, you know I live for your purpose. And I know you honor your word. And you tell me when I live for my when I live for your purpose, you'll make everything in my life work together, together for good. And as God is hears me right now, I went to sleep that night. Immediately, I didn't toss and turn. I slept soundly all night long. I got up the next morning refreshed. And I went to that meeting and God just destroyed my joint venture. It was, I, I wish I could tell you the story. I tell you, this is real, folks. This is where the rubber meets the road. Whatever goes on in your life, just, just know that you can face it and God will make it all for good. If you do this one thing, you do the main thing, you do the one mandate, live your life to move everybody every day closer to Jesus. When you do that, you'll be living for God's purpose, not yours. You'll, you'll know God keeps his word until your last breath. Knowing God is making everything in your life work together for good. Having wholehearted faith, unwavering faith that makes you invincible. Nothing can happen to you unless God makes it happen, wants it to happen. That is, that's the sweet spot with God, okay? And that's where you can be. It's so easy. It's God's promise to you. And when you get to that point, you'll be shouting, just like we did earlier, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
It's all about you, just like we did a few minutes ago, right up until your last breath, right until your last breath, right until you see him face to face, you enter in his reward, and you begin singing with the angels, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Wow. Let's pray. Holy God, we, what can we say? We sit in your presence, odd and amazed and overwhelmed by your love and by your grace the privilege of knowing you when so many people don't work in this small percent. How is it possible that we're part of that small group, this remnant that knows you, that we can be a complete peace in a world that's going crazy with fear. We have what everybody else wants and is desperate for. That is a great privilege. It's a great responsibility, Holy God. Use us, God. I pray for every Teen Challenge student, director, everybody connected with Teen Challenge, particularly our students right now. Everyone's a miracle. Every single one is a miracle. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for rescue them out of death. The gates of hell could not prevail against your Holy Spirit coming in and rescuing them. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for the privilege they have of being in Chief Challenge and being unengirded. I pray, dear God, that they'll, they'll, every, every student listening to me right now will delve in and, 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 and take full advantage of all that's around them. This precious, and it's running out. It won't happen for much longer. This precious time, help them to glean every word, everything you have for them, Lord. Every message, every, every loving comment that's coming to them from their instructors and their directors, Lord. Help them use it. Undergird them, Lord. Give them, fortify them to make them a force in this world going out. And when they do, Lord, help them to be just as shouting your name and proclaiming your name and your goodness and as bold in their witness for the rest of their lives as they are now. And when they do that, Lord, they can walk in your favor. They can walk with a bounce in their step and with full joy knowing you're making everything, everything, everything in their life, every moment of the day, working for good for your glory. Holy God, that's your promise to us. Help us to receive it to ourselves and help us live it every moment of every day, moving everybody. This is the key, God, every moment, moving everybody every day closer to Jesus, we pray. Help us to do that, Holy God, in the few moments, few days we have left. In Jesus' name. Thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every week. God bless you today.